the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Well, welcome once again to the Pat Williams Saturday Evening Power Hour. We always enjoy our visits. Uh, Jeff Sinis engineers us every week, and Andrew Hurdliska is our producer. Uh, Philip Wagner is our guest in the first half hour, lead pastor of Oasis Church in Los Angeles. Uh, his new book is out. It is called The Marriage Makeover, 10 Days to a Stronger, More Intimate Relationship. Uh, sure good to visit with you, Phil. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I love talking about marriage and relationships. Uh, your introduction it, it comes down to uh, just this statement: the difference. Uh, what does that mean? The difference uh, is in, in talking about making the difference in in the relationship that just um, you manage and you just get through, but uh, making a difference in having a marriage that thrives and flourishes and and not just uh, struggling through and hanging in there, you know, but um, having that kind of relationship that's powerful. Well, we've got uh, 11 days to, to cover here, and uh, I'm eager to hear all about this, Phil. I'm all, I'm all ears here. Uh, day one, priorities. Yes, you know, priorities um, is crucial to sort out in, in any area of your life, but especially marriage, because I think that uh, marriage really flourishes when it's a priority. And um, it's a priority when we're dating and when we're pursuing and getting engaged. And, and just the human nature takes over, so we kind of it, it slowly slips down the, the list of important things. I was talking about um, going to traffic court for a ticket, and, um, you know, if you take the class and you take the test, and it, it doesn't go on your driving record. And, and so sitting in that class, I learned that um, there's something I do every day that's important to me, but that I forgot several of the rules or the laws or the, you know, the details, and it's driving. Driving is important to get to work and to, to do many other things. And, and then I thought, I wonder if we had to get our marriage license renewed, if, if we would remember like, the key things that really make a marriage flourish. And, and so you know, you, when you get married, then then life happens. You know, you, you have kids, you have job challenges, somebody gets sick, and, and just by human nature, it begins to work its way down the priority list without us even realizing it. And so the whole idea of this book is taking 10 days and really making marriage your, the priority in your communication and the decisions. And, and um, I, I'm not, I don't think that every major problem in your marriage could be solved in 10 days. But I do know that you could radically change the tone, the environment uh, of your marriage and your home so that you then can work on um, important things. I remember talking to somebody after um, uh, uh, teaching, and they said, uh, we'd, we'd stop doing date nights. And I'm, I'm so glad you reminded us how important that is. And so, she said, we haven't had a date night since uh, our daughter was born. And, Oh, how old is she? And they're like, oh, she's eight, eight years old. And I thought, wow, you really forgot what really makes a, a marriage in, in connection. So making that priority is an intentional decision that we make. Day two, honor. Yes, um, honor is the key. Um, honor brings trust. It brings um, intimacy and Again, it's something that we know how to do. I, I like to tell people, like, remember how you described your uh, fiancé to your parents? How, you know, when you first told you're spinning everything toward the positive. You're, you're talking about their highlight reel. And um, 
then when you get married and, and you settle into a lifestyle, sometimes we don't focus on the highlight reel. We focus on every problem, every nuance and setback or difficulty. And um, honor empowers. For me, my wife and I, Holly, were so different, different emotionally, different background, different perspective. And it was interesting and cool at first, but then that almost ruined our marriage, just not knowing how to manage these differences. Because in the core of it, I wanted her to change, or she wanted me to change. And so we're rejecting each other in some way, or tolerating. And those are words that, that override honor. And so we had to, to make a shift and really begin to honor each other. I tell this story in uh, this chapter in the book, An Honor, where um, out here in L.A., I had a chance to meet Michael Jordan one day. And I'm a big ba- basketball fan, and I, you know, he, I thought he was one of the greatest. And it was back in the 80s when he was shooting that Space Jam movie. So somebody in our church had access to the lot, and he had set up a tent to play basketball and everything in between shoots. So I, I got, went there, and they introduced me. Philip, Michael, Michael, Philip, you know, I was so excited. And, um, you know, I was like, I don't want to wash this hand, you know. And um, I was telling my friends and about, guess what I did today? And I made a big deal about honoring Michael Jordan. And so then the reality is he never calls me anymore. He never texts me. He probably doesn't even remember the moment, you know. And so here I was honoring somebody that I probably will never talk to again. And I'm married to this woman that I withhold honoring, and yet I want to have, this is my most important relationship, I want this to last forever, and uh, I realize sometimes we accidentally show honor to strangers or other people and forget to honor the most important person in our life. Uh, Day three, admiration. um, Admiration is what happens when you follow honor. I, I... came up with this idea of an admiration ladder. And if you can picture five rungs on a ladder with um, admiration being at the top and rejection being at the bottom, um, right in the middle is acceptance. And And I really believe that that's where we, our relationship lives and dies, where we're either accepting or not accepting.
trust is is more subtle than that and uh, more in the heart. So um, whether it's little things or big things like uh, unfaithfulness, when trust is broken, you've got to repair it. So one of the ways this played out for us is if Holly would come to me and say, hey, Philip, um, I'm frustrated because I don't feel like I'm important to you. And I, my typical male response for me is, that's crazy. Of course, I, you know, you're important to me. Phil Wagner, our guest. We got more with Phil right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Evening Power Hour, AM 950 WTLF. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 950 WTLN. Here's Martin Renforth, president of Above and Beyond AC. When you purchase any system or service from Above and Beyond AC, I'll send a check to your church for 10% of your purchase. No matter how large or small, I'll send 10% of the purchase directly to your church. That's the Above and Beyond 10% promise. At Above and Beyond AC, we know you have a lot of AC companies to choose from. We hope you'll choose us, but we encourage you to get two quotes. You'll find that our pricing is always transparent and competitive. Call 407-483-7945 right now to schedule a no-cost replacement estimate for your air conditioning needs. That's 407-483-7945 for Above and Beyond AC. Remember the Above and Beyond 10% promise. When you purchase any system or service from Above and Beyond AC, we'll send a check to your church for 10% of your purchase. Call 407-483-7945 right now to schedule a no-cost replacement estimate for your air conditioning needs. Call 407-483-7945. The new Pray With Me prayer app is connecting thousands of Christians around the world in experiencing the power of prayer. Connect your Facebook friends and mobile contacts to share requests. See a map of those praying around the world. Set reminders to pray throughout the day. And join prayer groups. Visit PrayWithMe.com to join this worldwide yet personal 24-7 Christian prayer community. Receive prayer. Pray for others at PrayWithMe.com. Hi, I'm Barbara Sandbeck, your host on Grace Notes, a 15-minute program that contains biblical teaching and a wide variety of music. Some of the subjects we address are why do we have trials and cultivating intimacy with God. You can listen right here on WTLN every Sunday at 2.45 p.m. Can't catch the whole broadcast? Visit our podcast on the web 24-7 on WTLN.com. So tune in. You won't want to miss it. Listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Philip Wagner is with us. He's the lead pastor of Oasis Church in Los Angeles. We're talking about his new book, uh, The Marriage Makeover 11 Days to Make Over Your Marriage. In that first segment, we covered priorities, honor, admiration, and trust. Phil, we've arrived at day five. And you call it forgiveness. Yes. Forgiveness is so crucial in a marriage because um, we are going to disappoint each other. We're not going to measure up. And so in a marriage, you have to be like a black belt at forgiveness. <laughs> you have to learn how to forgive the little things, the big things. And, and if you think about our Christian faith, forgiveness is the highest expression of love. God sent Jesus Christ to pay for our sins, and, and offer a way of forgiveness. And in relationships, we we hold on to little lists, you know, IOUs, like, remember this time you didn't do that or you did this? And we think we've forgiven, but sometimes we just, in an argument, we pull out that little list we've hidden in our heart and go over, you always do this, or remember last time. And, and um, so really being uh, aware of uh, being able to forgive each other and let the past go and continue to express some of those things we talked about initially, honor and trust. And and um, and then I, I guess then it just takes us into this issue of um, big disappointments. Um, you know, marriages fall apart because of unfaithfulness and because of big betrayals. And um, I don't ask anybody to put their safety or their health at risk. But I've seen many marriages survive this kind of level of um, betrayal or disappointment 
and even have a better relationship because they do the work, they get the healing, but forgiveness allows uh, the time to really build a more genuine relationship. Sometimes we have these big disappointments because we're going through the motions. You know, we're not really honest in our relationship or we're not really connecting with each other well, and it leads to a big disappointment. And so, um, you know, I've learned uh, through ministering to people over years is that I've seen people handle huge uh, disappointments from uh, from people in a relationship, and they can get by, they get through it, and healing takes place. And so we're not trying to say pretend like something didn't happen, but to honestly work through it. Uh, I remember a, a few years ago about a, a powerful experience in, in the news where a man had uh, killed several schoolgirls in an Amish school and then killed himself. And in the news the next day, these these uh, Amish elders came to the wife of the man who did the killing and said, we want you to know we forgive you, we forgive your husband, we want you to know that we're here to, you know, to be a support to you. And that was just a, a massive display of forgiveness. And um, it, people admire that. And at the very same time, there are practices in the Amish religion where they're re- rejecting some of their own because of how they dress or some of the little rules. And, and so I just wondered if, you know, marriage, sometimes we we um, look at the big forgiveness and forget the little things. And, and so it's a, it's a skill and a, uh, that we have to rely on God for, but it makes a huge difference in a, in a strong marriage. Next topic, day six, change. Change, uh, you know, when you're dating somebody, to look, to see somebody who's a student, who likes, who wants to grow and is learning new things and talking about what mistakes they've made in the past, and um, that's a great person to invest in because in a marriage, you're going to have to grow. You have to change um, the way you've done things before or even what worked in the beginning of the marriage needs to adjust later in the marriage. So if somebody is rigid and never changes or doesn't show initiative in growing, kind of the red flag is, well, this person really make those changes when, when we're married. And so there's some things that just don't change much, you know, some maybe some of our personality or, you know, I, I have ADD, so I'm like, losing my wallet or my cell phone, and I try really hard, but um, I, um, it's just one of those things that continues, so my wife has to just kind of accept that. And But there are so many ways where I'm learning to be a better man, a better husband. What can I do to heal wounds of my past? That's just that's how I am, and, I, and I, we do marriage seminars. There are people in the attending the seminar who've been married for like 50 years, that's always inspiring to me, and I feel like I should be asking them questions. And uh, But what I realize is that they're continual learners. That's why they have that long marriage, because it shows me they're willing to learn, they're willing to grow, willing to change. And um, it's such an important quality. So you start asking those questions. What is it that I'm doing that I might need to change or I need to work on? And um, what is not meeting each other's need, and, and how can we uh, go through that, change that? And uh, so that's one of the things that on one day we just say, talk about that, think about that, see what you could work on over the next uh, few months that might bring strength. Day seven, connection. Connection is um, something that we have to do intentionally. It's uh, that What we're talking about is not just going through the motions and being roommates and living life, but to intentionally find moments to connect. Like, how are you feeling? How are you really doing today? Anything go on today that you want to talk about or ask questions? Um, That sometimes can be one of the last things. You know, these days you can walk into a public environment and look around and you could see 80% of the people looking at their cell phones. And, And I love... All the, the, you know, I get texts and I like Twitter and Instagram and all that. But uh, it's easy to go into a mode where you're just not connected with others around you. And um, so we just encourage that uh, intention. Like every day, maybe 10 minutes. Take a walk around the block and just how, are you, how, are you, how was your day? And whatever might work for you, 
to help connect and, and communicate with each other. I talk about these um, three kinds of kisses in a marriage and uh, uh, describing this connection thing. And, and the first kind of kiss is um, the don't mess up my lipstick kiss. It's kind of like that when you're leaving and, you know, it's 90% error or more because I, I don't want her lipstick. And uh, then the second one is sort of a kiss me like you mean it kiss, which I'll explain in a minute. That third one is that so intimate strong kiss that you're thinking, hmm, you know, where could this go? You got another 30 minutes? You know, I'd like to, to see where this could take us. And I think most marriages are very familiar with the first one and the last one. The second one is just kiss me like you mean it. It's like, let's just in this moment, just for 10 or 15 seconds, just look me in the eye. Let me know, communicate. I care about you. I'll see you later. And um, so I, I get big points when I bring this up. You know, we're about ready to leave and I just go, wait. Kiss me like you mean it, and uh, just taking 10 seconds. And so just in that little gesture to communicating with each other is so important. And communication is probably the, the biggest issue in any marriage. Um, and I like this quote where uh, somebody said, two monologues don't make a dialogue. And sometimes we're just talking and talking but not really communicating and uh, missing the point. So... Um, I always encourage women, it's like, if you need to tell your husband something, just say it, because men don't speak hint. And women are masters at trying to hint that stuff, and men, sometimes it just goes right over our heads. So I'm like, Holly, tell me, if you need a hug, let me know, because I want to I be there for you. But sometimes I'm just not uh, picking up on the, uh, her needs. So that's what we're talking about in connecting, spending a day really trying to focus on how we can connect better. Day eight, play. Yes, um, play is uh, so important in every part of life. Uh, that's where the joy is, the enjoyment. And I think probably it's one of the things that most people get attracted to first. It's just having fun together. It's so fun to be with this person. And, um, it's so easy. And, and, um, and then uh, marriage takes work. Raising kids takes work. You know, running a business pastoring a church, it takes work. And sometimes that can just take over the whole tone of our life. And many pastors, out of some kind of nobility, don't take a vacation for two, three, four, five years. And it just wears on individuals and relationships. And so we try to encourage people just to think about what's having, what what do you like to do to have fun? And it's not unspiritual and you know, I find things that Holly likes to do, um, and we do those. Or she, you know, I'm a big baseball fan. She didn't know much about baseball when we first got married, but she gets into it, you know. And so she cheers. She knows the plays, and and uh, so we find things that we can do together that are fun that we can share. And uh, if um, that leaves the relationship, joy goes. And the Bible tells us that joy is strength. And so we encourage people, remember what you did to play and have fun, and make sure you have that more often in your relationship. Day nine, needs. Need. Um, okay, this is about um, recognizing the needs that we have and uh, being able to articulate them and recognize them. A lot of times in a marriage counseling conversation, the needs are described like, you need. I want you to do this, or you know, I need you to change, or and it's more talking about your heart and uh, paying attention to what causes you to feel fulfilled or respected or really loved, and and so um, more than um, telling somebody what to do and your expectation, it's just beginning to um, talk about here are three things or four things that. I need in a relationship, and it's often feelings, you know, and so men aren't always, you know, thinking about their feelings and, you know, sharing with their buddies at work, you know, how they feel about yesterday, but but we all want to feel respected. We all want to feel admired or feel important, and um, talking about that with each other and just saying, um, I need to, to feel this thing, and then the conversation goes, from a spouse, what can I do to help contribute to that? And uh, if 
feeling like you are important and cared for, what can I do? Can I spend more time, or can I ask different questions, or what is it that I'm doing that disrespects you? Uh, the wife might say, um, you know, what could I say or do that would cause you to feel more respected? Sometimes those get into really personal and difficult conversations because um, it, it's um, just recognizing that our needs are real and marriages can disintegrate or we start looking to other people to meet needs because they're not being met in the relationship. And a lot of times they're not being met because we just haven't really described it and talked about it. My guest is Philip Wagner from Los Angeles, The Marriage Makeover, the name of his book, Day 10, Phil Dreams. I live in Los Angeles, and uh, Los Angeles is like the city of dreams. You know, people come to Hollywood to find their dream, and, and that's a conversation you hear really all over the country because people have dreams in their heart and, and want to do great things in their life. And uh, there isn't a couple that is engaged, that's talking about their marriage, that their dreams uh, aren't part of it. And um, and what I notice when we're trying to help a marriage survive or work through some big problem, there's no the dream factor's gone, and um, you know uh, we've just forgotten to have vision together. And you know when you're dating, you're starting out, you're thinking, are you newly married? Oh, let's have this many kids, or let's do this. Won't it be great if we can do all these things? And somehow that gets lost might be connected to play or it might be connected to just the hard work that we're doing in marriage, but um, to just think about why, why did you get married? What were some of the dreams that you had? And one of the things I, I figured in my life, this is my confession time, is that I had kind of an old school thinking about marriage and like, I'm the husband, I'm the most important person. If we can get my dreams fulfilled and we got some time left over, we got some money, then We'll consider what's important to you or see if we can do that. And, uh, man, I just changed my tone because I don't want to, at the end of our life, my wife to say, well, I love being married to Philip, and we did, we had some great things. I mean, my dreams didn't really get fulfilled, but it's okay. We, you know, I just don't want that. I, I want to know that she would say, man, because I was married to Philip, I got to reach some of the most important dreams in my life. Phil Wagner has been our guest. We've got more after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Evening Power Hour, AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 950 WTLN. Join Richard Jordan, president of Grace School of the Bible, as he opens God's Word every Sunday afternoon at 5.30 on the new 950 WTLN. If you miss the Sunday broadcast, you can listen and study along with Dr. Jordan 24-7 at WTLN.com by clicking on the podcast tab and then Riches of Grace, Riches of Grace, a service of Grace Impact Ministries at graceimpact.org. 5.30 Sunday on the new 950 WTLN. Kid, if something in this facility breaks, bends, or bursts, Granger's got our back. 20 cases of disc springs from Granger.com, new rotary encoder ordered on Granger's mobile app, a dozen splash goggles from the local Granger branch. What more could you want in life? Granger has over 1 million products for all our facilities' needs. 1 million. That's a 1 followed by 6 zeros, kid. Everything we need whenever we need it. Get it? Got it? Good. Call, click Granger.com, or stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, this is John Butler Book, and I want to cordially invite you to listen to my radio talk show every Sunday evening from 8 to 9 p.m. You know, we suffer from three kinds of individuals in our country today, the misinformed, the uninformed, and worst of all, the chloroformed. I don't want you to become one of those who is misinformed, but informed and spiritually motivated and activated to become a doer of the word and not just a hearer only. On the new 950 WTLN every Sunday evening from 8 to 9 p.m., I'll wait to hear from you. God bless you. Heavy rains, storms, takes a toll on your roof. If it's time to replace your roof, do we have a deal for you? Half-price roofing. Really? That's incredible. Sure is. Roofing service and supplies included at $10,000, now just $5,000. $5,000. Half-price roofing. Go to AmazingRadioDeals.com right now. No games, no kidding. Um, amazing. Amazing. AmazingRadioDeals.com. Half-price roofing. Incredible. AmazingRadioDeals.com. 
You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Philip Wagner, our guest in that first half hour, talking about his book, The Marriage Makeover. Uh, Timothy Paul Jones joins us from Louisville, the professor of leadership at the Southern Baptist Seminary. And uh, we're going to talk about his book that he and Daniel Montgomery have written, uh, Finding Freedom Through the Intoxicating Joy of Irresistible Grace. Uh, That's the subtitle. The title is Proof. Uh, Good to talk to you, Timothy. How are you doing? Great to be with you. I am uh, intrigued by your work at the seminary, uh, professor of leadership. I'm a leadership guy, Tim. I write about it and speak about it. What, uh, what, do you, what, what's, what does that mean up there? How do you teach leadership? Well, the primary way that we're thinking of here is I have the, the privilege here of raising up a generation of Christian leaders that I want to be gospel-driven, gospel-centered. So most of what I'm doing here is training people in how do you develop leadership patterns that you can deal well with. In fact, not just view conflict as something that you avoid, which this doesn't work at all, but rather something that you take stewardship of in a local church. That's what I'm real, my, really, my goal is, is to help them learn to do that, make good changes, make good uh, deal well with conflict in local churches so that we can have healthy churches that are driven and centered not by uh, any certain person or, or anything like that, but really centered in the gospel and that that message can go forward. That's really our goal uh, in training up pastors here at the seminary. Do you think those pastors are born leaders or do they develop? I think it's a both and. There are certain parts of leadership that truly and authentically are inborn, that some people just say they've got it, uh, certain things. But I also believe that there are aspects of leadership and that even somebody who's not born a leader, they can grow into leadership. I believe that that truly is possible uh, for somebody to grow into certain aspects of leadership. And so if somebody is, my, my belief is that if somebody is called by God to lead a church, to lead a congregation, uh, that it is possible for us to be able to train them uh, in in have and having a healthy leadership style. Tell me about this new book that has just come out that uh, you and Daniel Montgomery have written. Proof. What's it about? It's about grace. I mean, at the very simplest, it is just about grace. And the reason we, we're both pastors, we work, uh, we've worked with them several years in vocational ministry. I serve uh, on, at Sojourn now in, in, in certain roles there. And, and Daniel is the lead pastor at Sojourn Community Church here in Louisville. And one of the things that I believe is, is just so important for us to recognize is that we must return again and again in working with people and leading people and discipling people to the truth of God's grace. Because here's what happens. Apart from a return over and over to an emphasis in God's grace, an emphasis on God's grace, that you've got on the one hand, you've got Christians that confuse God's grace with divine approval. And what they believe, what they think is that basically grace means that God approves of whatever I do or I want to do or I feel like I need to do. And, uh, oh, well, God's gracious and I can do what I want. So we have people on that side. And then we have people on the other side that sort of view grace as the way their salvation starts. But it's like God kicks off salvation by grace. But then after God kicks it off, then you have to keep it up. You have to keep up the payments on it, we might say. And both of those are absolutely false ideas of grace. Grace is not a divine approval of what you do. Neither is grace something that God starts you with and leaves it to you. Rather, grace is God's power working in us from beginning to end. Grace is God's wonderful acceptance of us, not because we've earned it or deserved it, but because he gives it to us freely at Christ's expense. And God continues to work in us by grace all the way through our Christian life. And I think that's one of the most important things that we, can, we need to return to, because if we don't, people take one of those two difficult roads and those two false roads with reference to God's grace. Seven interesting chapters in the book here, Timothy. Let's get started. Chapter one, you say, wake up to grace. What does that mean? What that means is wake up to the fact that, and we want this book, what we call it as an alarm clock, to wake you up to God's grace, and to wake up to the fact that most of us, even though we sing about grace, we talk about grace, we preach about grace even, that in all this talk about grace, often there isn't much grace in it. We don't understand what grace really is. And for us to kind of return all the way back down to that basic, wonderful truth of God's grace and to wake up to that and to recognize that that can transform our lives. Second chapter, planned grace. What's that? 
Planned grace is we have five facets of grace that spell out the word proof. That's why the book's called Proof, is because planned grace, resurrecting grace, outrageous grace, overcoming grace, and forever grace. And planned grace is that simple truth, that, that recognition that God's grace is rooted in a plan that began before time. And whenever God makes a plan, he can always pay the price, and he never lacks the power to make it happen. Another way we put it is that God's planning never writes a check that his power can't cash. And sometimes we get this idea that maybe God's grace began after Adam and Eve sinned. In other words, God started planning it. It's as if God was, you know, Adam and Eve were in the garden. God's up there in his heavenly hammock, and suddenly, oh my goodness, there's sin running loose in the world. What am I going to do? Uh, Jesus, can you do something about this? We almost have that idea sometimes that sin took God by surprise, and God had to figure out grace to fix it. But the fact is that biblically, what, what Scripture affirms over and over is that God planned out his grace even before humanity sinned. God knew this was going to happen. God planned for this, and God sent Jesus Christ to do something greater, something that would result in greater glory for himself and greater joy for us than if humanity wouldn't have sinned in the first place. In other words, grace has been part of God's plan from even before time began. And that's so important for us to recognize, because so often things in our lives we feel like are going crazy, that that we make plans and they fail, they fall short because of all these things we couldn't have foreseen. And sometimes we get this false idea that that happens to God, that somehow God is is uh, dealing with is making plans and can't quite make them happen, and yet we can rest in the fact that God has planned out His gracious plan from beginning to end, and we can join in that plan with confidence, knowing nothing will fall into our lives that does not first pass through a loving Father's hand. The R of proof is next, Timothy. Resurrecting grace. Resurrecting Grace is probably my favorite chapter in the book, honestly. It really is. Uh, it was the most fun of the chapters to write in this particular book. And what we mean by resurrecting grace is this, this amazing truth that none of us on our own could come to God in our own power. We were all, according to Ephesians chapter 2, dead in trespasses and sins. We were completely and utterly dead. And when God looked down upon the planet Earth, he doesn't see a whole bunch of people trying to find him. What he sees is, according to the Psalms and according to the Romans chapter, Chapter 3, God sees people who have turned away from him and who rejected him and who are dead in their sins. They don't have a desire for him. And so it's almost as if, and the imagery we use is of zombies. It's like we're zombies walking around spiritually in the sense that uh, we, we may be seeming like we're alive. We're moving. We're in motion, seeming like we're alive. But the fact is that we're deaf and we're spreading death all around us. That's our status apart from God's grace. And what God does is he amazingly reaches down into our lives, makes us alive such that we have a desire for Jesus and we run to Jesus with joy. And that's what resurrecting grace is, God bringing us alive when we had nothing whatsoever to offer him. We were nothing but corpses walking around, rebel corpses walking around, and God, for no, for no other reason except love, made us alive. That's an amazing thing for us to recognize. And what it keeps us from in our lives as Christians is for thinking, oh, I contributed something to this, that God chose to save me because uh, he saw that I was going to do this for him and, and he needed that done or something like that. That's not it at all. God saves us out of sheer love and nothing more, nothing less than that. My guest is Timothy Paul Jones. <clears throat> he and Daniel Montgomery have written the book Proof finding freedom through the intoxicating joy of irresistible grace. What is outrageous grace, Timothy? We're using outrageous there in the sense of scandalous, of something that is, that is beyond our human categories. Because the fact is that we, in, in human categories, we work by law. That's how we work. We work by law. That is to say, uh, in, in terms of that, that if I don't do my job, then I don't get paid. If, if, you know, and it works its way into our stories. If Dorothy doesn't get the broom uh, for the wizard, then, then he's not going to grant her wishes. All of our life operates by, you do this, therefore you get this. That's That's how our lives operate. And grace is outrageous because it completely breaks all of those scales that we weigh our human deeds on. It's given to us simply out of God's absolutely gratuitous joy and love for us. And that's that's so important for us to recognize that grace is based on God's single-handed work, that that's what God is doing. And we have all these sayings in our lives, like, you know, what goes around comes around. God helps those who help themselves. You get what you pay for. But the gospel of grace, of outrageous grace, speaks a totally different word than those sayings, because 
because by God's grace, we get what somebody else paid for. God helps those who not only can't help themselves, they don't even want to. And what goes around stops at the foot of the cross, never to come around again. And so God can give grace to people who absolutely don't deserve it. And it's scandalous, and it's outrageous, and it's wonderful, and it's totally true. What is overcoming grace? Overcoming grace kind of builds on resurrecting grace. So resurrecting grace is that idea that we're dead and that we have nothing to offer God and and that we can't uh, do anything to save ourselves. And so overcoming grace is God's answer to that. God overcomes our resistance to him and brings us to himself utterly and completely by his grace and by his work in our lives. But not only that, and this is one of the most important parts of the book, I think, is that this is a gift from God that keeps on giving. That once God has brought us to himself, once God has overcome our resistance, what God does is he begins to transform us. And this transformation from God, it lasts throughout our lives. It lasts our entire lives. So throughout our lives, God is continuing in those that are his to overcome, to continue to overcome all of our resistance to his grace, all of our, our rebellion. God continues. Now, that he doesn't completely overcome it in this life. He's not going to overcome it completely till the end of time. But God, throughout our lives, is overcoming all of this resistance. And and it's hard for us to imagine that. It's hard for us to think of that, how important that is. Uh, but But it gives us confidence. It gives us confidence that God doesn't save us and then just leave us on our own to figure it out ourselves. God continually, through our lives, is overcoming all of the the resistance, the rebellion, and sin, and that gives us confidence. When you're in a fight against sin, sometimes it's easy for you to to, to feel like, I'm on my own in this. I am totally on my own, and I've got to figure this out myself. But the fact is that God, through his people, through his spirit, through his word, uh, through all of these different things in our lives, God is constantly working, and he gives us what we need to overcome sin in our lives. God is giving us what we need. And that's a, that's a word that from a pastoral perspective is so important, that God does not leave us alone. And so what we do in this chapter is really work out the ways in which, through uniting us with Christ, through giving us his spirit, through working in us, that God is working in us to overcome our sin and doesn't leave us on our own in this. Rather, far from that, God is giving us the power in every moment to be able to fight against the sin in our lives and to be faithful to him. Planned grace, resurrecting grace, outrageous grace, overcoming grace. How about forever grace? Forever grace. That's one of these things that's this wonderful assurance for believers in Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful and it is a wonderful assurance. But what we want to to contend for in this particular book is that once somebody has authentically embraced the grace of God in Jesus Christ, that God will, will keep that person forever. Now, that doesn't mean we can just go off and and live however we want. That's not what we're saying in that at all. What that means is that God is working in us by forever grace to keep us and to to, to cause us to persevere in faith all the way to the very end. One thing that I heard a a preacher say years ago that I think is really true, and it's kind of what we're expressing in this, is that faith that fizzles before the finish was flawed from the first. Now, that that, that seems a, a little bit corny. Faith that fizzles before the finish was flawed from the first. But what that's trying to get at is that if we have authentic faith in Jesus Christ, God continues to work in that faith and through that faith all the way to the end, such that if that faith is is authentic faith in Jesus Christ, that that God will bring us to completion at the end, that, that forever grace. He's working in us to persevere all the way to the very end. And so that, that's what we want to express in Forever Grace, to give people an assurance that the foundation of their salvation is not their experience that they had with Jesus in the past, nor is it their performance in the present. Rather, the foundation is Jesus himself working in them to bring them to the end that God has appointed, in which God glorifies us and, and, and renews us and makes us like Jesus uh, in terms of our righteousness and, and in terms of, of just ridding all of our lives of sin and such that we have an absolute desire, longing, and practice of glorifying God. That's what God's doing in us. Timothy, again, Paul Jones is our guest. We're, we're back for more. We've got another segment with Timothy. Uh, this is the Pat Williams Saturday Evening Power Hour. It's AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. Don't go away. More of the Pat Williams Power 
Hour in just a moment on the new 950 WTLN. As parents, we're responsible for more than just providing the necessities for our children. We are charged with giving them a strong foundation for life. And Family Christian Center School in Claremont can help. FCCS is accredited with advanced ed and offers a blended curriculum for grades kindergarten through 12th grade. FCCS, where the highest principles of education are focused on Christian leadership, self-discipline, individual responsibility, integrity, and good citizenship. The FCCS faculty are highly qualified teachers who are followers of Christ and dedicated student advocates, as well as parent partners. Small class sizes mean more personal attention for your child. FCCS is currently accepting applications for this fall. You can call them at 352-241-0323. That's 352-241-0323. Or you can go online at FCCSchools.com. Schedule your personal tour today. When your battery goes out on you, it's like a sucker punch to the gut. But now at Napa, when you buy a new battery, alternator, or starter, you get a Visa rebate card by mail for up to $25. And a Visa rebate card for up to $25 with a new battery? Well, that's like a sucker punch to the gut. But from a really pretty girl. Conquer the job with Napa know-how. And participating Napa Auto Parts stores. Offer expires 731-14. Rain is in the forecast, which means slippery conditions, unexpected twists, and muscle pain are too. Better get prepared by picking up a can or two of Salon Paws Jet Spray. Salon Paws Jet Spray has two powerful pain-fighting ingredients that you spray right where it hurts. It goes on clear, dries fast, and relieves pain for hours and hours. Look for the blue can with a blue cap. Salon Paws. Powerful relief when and where you need it. Use as directed. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. We are having a terrific conversation with Timothy Paul Jones, professor of leadership at the Southern Baptist Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, He and his writing partner, Daniel Montgomery, have written the book Proof. And uh, we have covered planned grace and resurrecting grace, outrageous grace, overcoming grace, forever grace. And now, Timothy, I want you to talk about living grace. That's what we really want to. At the very end of this book, we talk about living grace and how do we live this out in our lives. Because Daniel and I are both pastors at heart. Um, I, I've pastored for uh, almost 20 years in, in three different congregations and served now at Sojourn in, in a variety of roles. Daniel's the lead pastor at Sojourn Community Church, and, uh, and, and we work day by day, week by week as pastors. So we really want this book, and this is one of the things that's so important to us, that it, it becomes a book that people, not just for pastors, not for professors, but any ordinary person in the pew just can pick this book up and read it and understand God's grace more adequately and really come to a deeper understanding of this. So that's what we've written it for. It's not for pastors and professors, but rather for the people that we serve day by day, week by week at Sojourn Community Church. And so that's why we ended the book on living proof. And what we want to show in that is how you can live this grace out in your day-by-day life. And so what we do to do that, what we kind of present to do that, is we present first the stories of how God's grace intersected some people that people may have heard of, or but they may not know much about. People like Martin Luther, uh, for example, who was a, a monk who kept trying and striving to figure out how he could earn God's grace and came to the point that he recognized, I can't earn God's grace at all. It's a gift given freely to me. So we look at people like Martin Luther and others and show people from their lives how you can live in God's grace. And that's what we want to express in that, is for people to have habits of life in which they are living in the wonders of God's grace. And then we point people to the 16th century Reformation. A lot of people may not know a lot about the Reformation. This time in the 16th century, when uh, most they know the name Martin Luther. And so we point them to certain truths from the Reformation that we can rest in. And that's that we're saved by grace alone. Sola gratia is the the words from the, the centuries after 
after the Reformation on that sola gratia, only by grace, that, that, that what God does for us, he does as a gift. But also with that comes some other things, that it's only by faith that we can access this wonderful gift of God. It's by, by faith that, that we are a trust in Jesus Christ and that we are made, that Jesus Christ is united with us and all the gifts of God are, are placed in our lives by faith. And we also emphasize some other things in that to help people live in this way, Scripture alone, uh, that Scripture is our authority, not human laws or human, uh, human different uh, traditions that we may have in the church, but Scripture alone as our authority. And then we talk about that our salvation is in Christ alone, that it's not the experience you had. You don't have to be looking back constantly and saying, well, what about this thing that happened in the past, that our assurance of our salvation is not in our experiences but it's in the person and the work of Jesus Christ alone. So grace alone, faith alone, Scripture alone, Christ alone, and last of all in those, for the glory of God alone. That we're not living for our own glory, we're not living for our own purposes primarily, but what we do, we are to be doing for the glory of God alone. And we really try to impress upon people some rhythms of life, some ways that they can live in ways that incorporate these wonderful truths in their lives so that they may, so that they can live freely in the intoxicating joy of God's irresistible grace, that they're experiencing this grace and they feel joy and freedom in living by God's grace. What do you write about John Calvin in your book? Well, John Calvin is somebody who actually, there's some things that, that have to do with Calvin in the book, but he's not really our primary emphasis. Um, I think we've, we've recognized that and sometimes when people are talking about grace, they look strictly to John Calvin, <laughs> they look, or they look really uh, hard at John Calvin alone. But we have to admit that, that he is influential in much of what we've, we've written in this particular book, that there's a lot of influence from some of his writings and those of his heirs on what we write in this book. Uh, and we recognize that, and, and we, we humbly uh, recognize that that we've we've borrowed much from a deep heritage and tradition that comes behind us. So we look at Calvin and look at the fact that uh, that he began a movement. Um, that, that he was at least one one of the ones who initiated a movement that became became known as the Reformed churches that grow out of the Reformation. And much that we talk about in the book comes from that tradition. Um, and I, I think, unfortunately, many people when they think of John Calvin, they think strictly of a very hard view of God's sovereignty or a hard view of predestination, and don't see that uh, the center of much of what he was doing had to do with the gospel of God's grace in Jesus Christ and how that can be applied in people's lives. Were there failures, were there shortcomings in what he did? Oh, certainly, just as there are in my life and and in any others. But there was an emphasis on God's grace working out in people's lives and how can we make that happen and how can can we sustain a movement that's centered in that that was very important in the life of John Calvin and those came after him. And I want you to talk also about uh, Martin Luther. Martin Luther uh, is just a fascinating character. We talk about him at length uh, in in this last chapter of the book, because I think people should be so much more aware of Martin Luther uh, than they often are. This man, who he went into a monastery, and in part what what he was trying to do was to find a way to get God, to to earn God's favor. And he tried all sorts of different things. He tells us in in his stories of this, he was sleeping without a blanket. He was going through penance, and he was going to confession, sometimes for hours at a time. He described described at one point where he had confessed his sins for hours at a time, and he finally felt free, and then he walked out of this, this confession area, and, and when he walked outside, he suddenly remembered one sin that he'd forgotten to confess, and we remembered that he was utterly crushed, because his, his feeling was that what can I do beyond the, the sacraments, beyond the different practices of the church, what can I do to earn God's favor? And, and, and people around him were saying, well, just do your best, do your best, but you recognized that even at his best, his love of God was imperfect. His, his faithfulness to God was imperfect. And this man was a, a man who was being crushed by this. And he is, in, in his own words, he says that he was uh, on the toilet. Now, that was probably not a literal thing. What he meant by saying he was on the toilet at the time was a way of saying he was down in the dumps uh, about all of this. And he was reading Paul's words in the book of Romans, and he, he ran across this verse that we are saved by faith from first 
to last. This, the, the gospel comes to us, or it's, the gospel comes to us, it's salvation by grace through faith from first to last in, in the early chapters of Paul's letter to the Romans. And, and in that, a light dawned, he said, on him at that point. It was as if a, as if a light dawned, and he walked through, he said, gates, and he recognized that, uh, that, that the, what, what took him to God's grace was not some sort of a ladder he had to climb, but rather it was an open door of God's grace that he walked through by faith, and he recognized this. And in the years after that, he became more and more convinced of this, such that when there was a monk traveling around who was selling indulgences, crying out that for every coin that in the coffer does ring, a soul from purgatory does spring. And when he heard that, when Martin Luther heard that, this idea of you earning your way or paying your way to somehow get God's grace, he nailed these 95 theses on the door of a chapel uh, in Wittenberg, Germany, and that initiated this movement that ended up kind of rocking the world in the sense that uh, what he was he was offering to debate at that point were things that the church, the established church, had held on to, but he believed uh, were keeping people from really experiencing and understanding the free and amazing grace of God. Mm. What do you want people to take from this book, Timothy, and, and our conversation? What I would want people to, to recognize is how easily every single one of us trends back toward a view of God's grace in which we think I have to do something to gain or to keep God's grace, or toward a view that says um, grace is just God approving whatever I want, and it's neither of those. Grace is God's wonderful acceptance of us in Jesus Christ, and God is working in the lives of his people to transform them, and even that work in us is by God's grace. I want them to, to recognize that in a way that they feel freedom and joy in Jesus Christ. Not this constant urge of, I've got to do something to make God like me, and not something that tries to brush aside our shortcomings by saying, uh, grace is God's approval of whatever I do, but rather a freedom that comes from recognizing God has done all that's needed in Jesus Christ for my salvation, and he is working in me even now to make me more like Jesus and to rest and have freedom and joy in that. Million thanks, Timothy. Great to talk to you. Great to talk to you as well. Timothy Paul Jones, our guest. We've got to wrap up right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Evening Power Hour. It's AM 950 WTLN. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 950 WTLN. Remember last summer, the kids were home all day? Yeah. Remember watching them plow through bags of greasy chips and cookies? Look, trying to have them eat healthier snacks was smart, but carrot sticks and celery? You knew that wouldn't last. Well, this summer, you get a do-over, and NatureBox is going to make it easy for you. NatureBox.com is the ultimate snacker's paradise for people who care about what they eat and feed their families. NatureBox.com has over 120 delicious, nutritious, guilt-free snacks. We're talking sweet, savory, and spicy snacks your family will love. From honey macadamia pretzel pops to apple pie oat clusters, just select your snacks and NatureBox ships them to you for free. That's nutritious and wholesome snacks the family will love delivered free to your door. Go to naturebox.com slash save and enter promo code save to get 50% off your first NatureBox. That's promo code save at naturebox.com slash save naturebox.com slash save. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Thank you so much for joining us here. We've had a wonderful evening here on the Pat Williams Saturday Evening Power Hour. Philip Wagner, our guest in the first half hour from Los Angeles, talking about his book, The Marriage Makeover. And then Timothy Paul Jones from Louisville, co-author of Proof. A real nice visit with him. Uh, I encourage you to visit my website. It's patwilliams.com. Uh, the Twitter page is Orlando Magic Pat. And my most recent book is out. It's called How to Be the Ultimate Teammate. Coach's Choice is the publisher. And uh, you can go up and visit on Amazon.com and check that book out. I hope you enjoy it. In the meantime, uh, the week ahead, I hope it's a good one for you. And make sure you're in church tomorrow morning with your family and uh, that'll mean a great deal to them and a uh, great deal to many other people as you continue your walk with Christ. And then we'll be back next weekend on the Pat Williams Saturday Evening Power Hour. It's AM 950 WTLN. Thanks for listening.
Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this same time on the intersection of faith and reason. The new 950 WTLN. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.